but today we've decided to look at a movie that is still currently in cinemas, um, which is cool because it's my podcast and I can do what I want. <laughs> so <laughs> joining me is Flo. Hello. Hi. You've ventured many a time on this podcast, but uh, thank you for joining me in this new endeavour. Yeah, thank you for having me. Of course, of course. Um, so we're going to talk about a movie that's got a lot of I don't know that it's got a lot of press, but a lot of hype. I think definitely it's fair to say that it's been hyped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was really sort of sold as being quite a mysterious thing that you have to go see without getting any spoilers about. Um, yeah. And I think I'd agree with that. Yeah. So um, we went to see Barbarian, a 2022 horror film written and directed by Zach Kreger in his solo directorial debut. And I did go in not knowing anything about it other than the basic plot line which is that two people book the same airbnb which is also the plot line of a romantic comedy coming out later this year which (laughs) is quite funny um however you did not do that yeah i didn't so i knew a little bit more about it than you're supposed to i didn't know loads there was still like um obviously there's quite big twists in it that i didn't know were going to happen um but basically (laughs) um I'd gotten really scared the day before from watching a different horror and I I was just too frightened to go without (laughs) at least, you know, checking (laughs) what it was going to involve. I think definitely because because it was being pushed, you know, the the poster is this big red rectangle with just the doorway and she's very ominous and um, it's called Barbarian and this big font, a Stephen King-esque font. Oh, and its rating um, is like... 18 for gore like horrible murders and everything (laughs) nasty (laughs) and so and and on top of that the sort of uh whispers uh of the twitter and letterboxd communities of like no as little as possible oh you're gonna sit here and be like what the hell did i just watch oh man so you know i think we both went in with this idea that it's gonna be a sort of big uh twisty um i don't know i it's interesting what you go in expecting barbarian to be and then Mm. what you come out having experienced i got the impression based off twitter that it was going to change my life completely i thought it was going to be some groundbreaking new wave era of horror like welcoming in like an almost new genre um and we're gonna begin this review without spoiling anything um so I guess we'll save our opinions on whether that was accurate or not later. Uh-huh, yep. So it's so interesting to not spoil this movie. You can really only talk about essentially the trailer, like the first, like, half an hour? Yeah. Hour, maybe? Yeah, like the first act of the movie is essentially what yeah. the trailer and the synopsis is about. Completely. And, and I mean... I think it's really artfully done mm-hmm. as as both a movie and a horror movie and a character study and I and I think it's because it's essentially a two-hander it would obviously translate really well to a play um but also not because it's so well done it's in very the yeah film. like the cinematography feels so important and uh yeah it's like a that first act of it I'd like I just thought was brilliant like such a sort of yeah interesting dynamic between two characters and again an attempt to not spoil anything we're gonna have to be as vague as possible but um 
<laughs> it's really hard to talk about this movie without because because whilst something may not be considered a massive twist or a spoiler i think what it does is that it dampens your experience of the film and how you interact and engage with these characters in front of you so we both had a very different interaction with the first act i would say would you agree because yeah i think that's true you yeah there was knew something that i didn't so much of the first act is i mean we can say this much because this is what's shown in the trailer that a woman goes to an airbnb she finds out it's been double booked um there's a guy there keith and she's in a very dark area there's nowhere else she can stay uh it's a lot about sort of she's very wary but she doesn't have many choices and they end up staying in the same airbnb and it's sort of a psychological i guess thriller about whether she can trust him and you know he's played by bill skarsgård who just looks scary in general <laughs> um and it's about but, like a hot scary <laughs> yeah hot scary yeah yeah um but then so i suppose the difference between our experience was that the question is can you trust him or not um and is each mm. moment that happens like really as you know is it a super frightening thing that's happening or is it just him trying to be normal and being a bit awkward um and because i knew a little bit more about how things would proceed like i could sort of maybe judge it more accurately whereas i think part of the power yeah. is that you're just left really unsure of what's going to happen i was very surprised afterwards to find out that this was written and directed by a man because i thought he did a really good portrayal of just the very um day-to-day -day things that are frightening for women like really tapped into to, to little things that you may not think about as being scary and we've seen a lot of um male reactions to this movie through youtube reviews and i've been reading a lot of letterbox reviews and it is really interesting how different people take the different moments and what they read them as does that make sense yeah i think that makes sense yeah it's um i think it's a movie that anyone can get on board with how she's feeling but there probably is like that extra aspect of realism um if you're a woman watching it and you're sort of you're seeing the things that you do on a daily basis to sort of feel safe if you're amongst like a stranger um mm. and and there's like upfront discussion about it in the movie where she sort of says like absolutely you as a man don't have to be scared of me in this moment whereas like i have to be fearful of you because like yeah. i'll be an idiot if i'm not yeah completely like fundamentally you're stronger than me so that's frightening in itself yeah um which if we put a pin in that will tie into a discussion later on i think that'll come about with the third act so what was your overall thoughts on the movie without spoilers <laughs> <laughs> i really really loved it like when i first came out i was um ecstatic with my reaction i i really was like i'd, I'd had such a good time um and then we went for food afterwards didn't we and within that like two hour chat we'd sort of broken things down and like zach we have notes but like fundamentally like screenwriting is hard filmmaking is hard and i don't begrudge any problems that i have with this movie they're not bad enough that it ruins the overall experience for me of which was a roller coaster of enjoyment yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I loved the, like, 
my favorite bits were the comedy there's like a surprising amount of really funny scenes in it uh, which was great it it was like really good use of like you know various shots and jump scares but didn't rely on them um it was really good at being creepy all the way through um so i really enjoyed all of that just like Mm. you said there was sort of some things after coming out that like when i examined the movie more there were moments where kind of just the logic of what happened didn't really work for me um and obviously in movies and particularly horrors there's a certain amount of stuff like you know you've got to go back to the spooky house because that's the movie has to happen otherwise the movie doesn't yeah, happen and it just yeah goes to the credit straight away um but also there were some things that was like uh where it just didn't really work for me which we can get into more later yeah completely but um really uh stark visual like uh moments of visuals that will that have stayed with me yeah definitely and were shocking in the moment really really well like great visual reveals mm. as well. Oh, the soundtrack was so good as well. Oh, so good, so good. Really good use of music throughout, and and brilliant performances mm-hmm. from all the actors. Yeah, involved. all the cast was great, top notch. I guess we can go into spoiler territory now. Yeah, let's go for it. So, if you have seen the movie, stay with us and let's unfold the next two acts. And if you haven't. Go watch it. <laughs> oh boy. I mean, I honestly thought, I I kept going back and forth. Is Keith, did Keith open her door? Did Keith not open her door? Is Keith going to murder her? Did Keith put something in the tea? Mm-hmm. Could he slip something in the wine? Oh, Keith, you're so cute. Oh, he's left the note. Oh, and everything he does is so reasonable yeah. and so thoughtful and so decent he's a really greatly written character and played so well and it like Mm. it was so cool that like i mean he does such a great performance where anything he does could be creepy but he also like like my probably my favorite keith moment is him doing the whole monologue with the wine where he's like i i noticed you didn't drink the tea which is understandable because obviously i i you don't know me but also i thought maybe you'd want some wine but i didn't want to open the wine while you're in the bathroom because then you might think that i poisoned it or something so anyway you might not want wine anyway but like it's all completely like he was like so sweet but also you're like why are you going so on so much about the wine keith like this is suspicious this is the everything's suspicious even even the like making of the bed with the bed sheet which is so freaking um, cute like i mean you, so you, i was cute. giggling next to you in the cinema so much because i was like he's adorable i love him like hope he's not a because murderer that, yeah literally because even that came about because tess is like she's like you take the bed i'll take the sofa you know chivalrous like pop pos possibly sexist but like kind of not because it's like it's just a sweet gesture but then you're like oh. and then tess is like i have a thing about germs you've clearly already been in the bed and i don't like that so the next shot is the washing machine cleaning the sheets and it's just it's really well done it's really well put together and then her door is opened in the middle of the night and um she, she comes out asleep and, and like night yeah terrors. having a night terror and just going like ah, ah, in his sleep which which in itself is really frightening yes. because you're like because because you know that something's wrong with this house um because what? we've already had one of my favorite shots um 
Sorry, what were you going to say? Well, I, we might be about to talk about the same thing, but I was going to say that scene is the first moment that you a door closes behind her as she walks towards Keith. So you have your first confirmation of like, there's something much bigger going on here than an Airbnb mix-up. Yeah, very creepy, very good. Our cinema screening was weirdly quiet. There weren't many people there, but and they were all sat sort of behind us. So I don't know if they were all just on their phones, (laughs) but you and I got increasingly more vocal (laughs) to the point where I just didn't care about the people behind me and started being like, Tess, which is part of the enjoyment of this film. It's a very good yell at the stream, uh, scream moment. Um, so that that's it, of course. So the door closes, something supernatural or ominous is happening. And then we have my favourite, favourite shot of the whole movie where she comes out in the daylight and the night before, she'd looked around for houses in the neighbourhood and it's dark and it's raining and none of the lights are on and, and it's creepy, but you're a bit like, it's also like possibly like 2am. So like, it's fine, I get it. Um, however, in the daylight, we come out and it's revealed so beautifully that every other house on this neighborhood is dilapidated completely it's abandoned up, it's graffitied just it's it's and this house is like pristine dollhouse in the middle of this rundown abandoned area and it is so frightening like it really you suddenly realize like, like how her. far away from civilization and safety she is yeah and i think if that had happened to me i i honestly like i i would have driven to my job interview and then i would have just driven to the airport and stayed there yeah until i had to go home even if i had and this is the thing this is where we start getting into these tricksy bits that some people seem to misunderstand some people may not take as good enough of a reason but she's there on a job interview so she's trying to move into this industry and she meets with this woman and it goes well and she has to stay another night um and she lets this woman know where she's staying and immediately this woman is like don't go back there i really liked that moment because that scene like Mm. it's it sort of sets really well why she feels the need to go back and it's it's not that the woman said anything wrong to her but there's that sort of pressure to like you know she says to her like oh you know i'm tough don't worry about it like she feels that she has to almost prove and be like no i made a good decision like don't think my decision making's bad like i'm going back there and it's fine and i'm like staying there um so i like i understand in that moment why she makes the yeah, decision like, to I'm go back independent. yeah exactly like i'm i'm independent and strong and clever and it'll be fine yeah absolutely and and also on top of so it makes complete sense as to why she goes back and it's an incredibly chilling moment with the performance of the job interviewee mm-hmm. interviewer where she's so she's so unnerved yeah. by what she's just heard as to where she's staying and we we don't know why like we don't know why other than the fact that i mean to be honest if someone told you they were staying on that street you'd be like what like in a crack house like what are you talking about like there's no like there's nowhere to stay there (laughs) and all the hotels are booked out because there's a conference which the night before even though you do get confirmation from one hotel that they're all booked up it's Bill Skarsgård telling you there's a conference in town. There's no, and you're like no a likely fucking like, story. Oh, <laughs> like, 
want to believe you, Bill, but yeah, yeah, it's very convenient for you, eh, Bill? <laughs> but it, it is true. So back we go to the what I'm going to call lovingly the barbarian house. <laughs> <laughs> so then she gets back. Um, if I recall correctly, she goes looking for toilet paper, right? So we get the poster shot of her at the top of the cellar. And, and I think I lent across to you and was like, oh, that's the poster. That's the shot from and the so movie. And so both of us felt like, oh, this is the turning point in the movie. <laughs> it's the bit. Um, so we were like, oh, okay, something's going to happen now. And it's brilliant. Her whole ordeal with the cellar is great. Oh, it, honestly, I would have... I would have just died instantly if that door closed behind me. It would have been the scariest fucking thing ever. Uh, so sorry. She goes down to the basement. She gets the toilet paper. The door closes behind her. It's locked. She can't get out. So she's stuck in the yep. basement. Horrible. 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 We find, even worse, <laughs> a pulley rope that opens another stone door that goes into a corridor, which immediately she's like, no, I'm not going down there. Mm -hmm. And of, of, like, of course you wouldn't. But then you get the impression that it's been like an hour. And so she's like... And in fairness, she sat in this basement looking at this like pitch black opening into the basement. I mean, uh, so she decides that she's going to light it by holding a mirror and getting sort of the light from above her, genius, to go so down the hall. And then with the light that she reflects down the hall, she sees a door handle. So <laughs> she goes into that creepy fucking tunnel <laughs> because she's in a horror movie and she has to. And she finds <laughs> she does have to. a room with a uh, mattress, a bucket, a video camera, and a bloody handprint on the wall. Which is genuinely like the worst thing you can probably find at the end of a corridor. Yeah, it's um, kind of like the answer to like, if you're on like Family Fortunes, and they were like, what are the things you don't want to find in someone's secret basement room? They're like, those yeah. would be all of them. <laughs> so she freaks out. She starts banging on the basement window. It's just as Keith is coming back. And then he manages to get her out of the basement. And she's obviously in a massive panic. And she tells him what she'd seen. But he, not hearing about it. And also, I am I think the movie is kind of saying, like, also because he's a man. Because there's also been discussion about, like, how women have to be more fearful for their safety. And, like, I'm not arguing about whether that's true or not. But I think that is something that's ingrained into people's consciousness. Con consciousness. So he decides to go down and have a little look around in the basement because he like yeah. essentially doesn't believe her as he says to her like you're telling me that there's a room with like a bed and a bucket in it and like i'm supposed to like flee now yeah I, i'm meant to find that frightening which like i think if you came up and told me i found a room with a camera and a bed and a bucket and a handprint on the wall i'd be like pack your bags let's go i have to i sort of um, see keith's point in the sense that you're like are you saying they're all like piled up together or is it like a very clear yeah. you know like it really depends on what you're saying happened in that room um whereas mm -hmm. i'm sure once he gets a proper look at it he's like ah i see it's well, a yeah, this murder sucks. room which is valid and again very validly tess is like i'm not coming down with you and at this point i did start to say to her um out loud like tess go yeah just like, fucking go and he's like oh please in, ca like, in case the basement door closes behind me it's like i'm not staying so like you should not fucking go in the basement if you're worried that's <laughs> yeah, gonna happen like, or you could just not go down yeah but 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 we can't forget that this could be her future husband <laughs> like, i'm not really well they get on well she fancies him they she's going a through a breakup evening. but i'm also not 
I don't know. It's like, I mean, that's not... And I, I am the kind of idiot. <laughs> you'd be like, well, I'll stick around for you. I think I'm like, I the, can... St- the, the, if he was going to go, like... I think I'd be like, look, he seems like a nice enough guy. If he's literally just going to glance in that room, then like, sure, I'll stand at the top of the stairs. Like, I I probably wouldn't... Not knowing I'm in a horror movie, I'd be like, yeah, fine, whatever. Like, I'll stand yeah. there and then you'll agree with me it's creepy and then we can go so so far all her choices are quite uh like they make sense to me like everything she does makes sense to me yeah which a little later into the movie not so much but um at this point i was totally on board with everything she did um he goes down to the basement he's gone a really friggin long time and she's like keith keith and he's not shouting back and then she like finds that he's like gone further in and when she comes like yeah there's like more corridors there's a lot more corridor like it becomes like stone <laughs> dark like tunnels labyrinth and um she hears him shouting for help um from yes. the labyrinth uh which is horrible and um shout out to the actress who plays Tess she does really good screaming in fear yeah screaming and all she's saying is Keith but like you can like taste the sweat on her forehead the way she's performing these yells yeah and it's like she's um, it's that thing where you find it hard to almost talk because you're so scared but like you know you have to shout so it's like a strain coming out hoarse like yeah it's so good so we're we're going down these horrible stone corridors there's cages there's shit everywhere and finally 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 we bump into keith and he is fucking freaked and he claims something bit him and that there's something in the tunnels with them which is unsurprising and she's going we Um, have to fucking go and he's saying no not that way like the thing that was after me was that way so we go the other way and immediately bump into the thing that was after him which i did not see (laughs) (laughs) i was looking at the screen at this point I was doing my classic, the cinema carpet. It's so fascinating. What's on the back of these seats? Um, Yeah, so a big scary thing comes looming out of the darkness and it's a uh, deformed, incredibly tall woman um, and essentially everything that we've built up uh, for the last half an hour of it being a psychological thriller about whether or not you can trust Keith and being a woman alone with a stranger is kind of ripped away and the mother as we call her um smashes keith's head <laughs> so many times against the stone wall <laughs> and with it all of the preconceptions of this movie so r.i.p to that r.i.p keith commence act two test looks in shock up at the beast and we cut to sunny la woo <laughs> and there's a funky pop tune on <laughs> Justin Long is there, who I did not know was in this movie, so I turn to Flo and say, Justin Long's in this movie! I love Justin Long! He's doing a great bit, singing along to this song in his open-top car, and what we didn't get was the horror movie that Flo watched the day before that made her freak out, that we do get here is all of the tension that had just been building and building and building has been crashed down, so we are relieved. And we can Which is my favourite thing in horrors. As you know, <laughs> I, I mean, I complain when a horror didn't give me a laugh after a scare. I'm like, that's not fair. That's the agreement. <laughs> like, you can scare me as much as you like, but then you have to, like, have Justin Long, like, driving in a convertible and singing. Really good stuff. So we're introduced to this character, and immediately we're in the deep where he gets a phone call that he's essentially fired off a new TV project because of alleged 
um, accusations that he has sexually abused one of the lead actresses. Very topical, very frightening in itself. Um, but we just had lovely Keith's brain smashed against the wall. So immediately I'm like, oh God, I believe women, but like, oh no. Oh my God, like, his life's going to be ruined. God, is, is Justin going to be okay? Because I'm immediately on board because it's Justin Long. Um, which I think is so clever. And maybe that was me very much leaning into the movie and the directions that they wanted me to go with understanding these characters. Um, but again, I was immediately at a, at a crossways where I was like, oh, believe women. But like, I didn't believe Keith and now he's dead. And <laughs> yeah. I so maybe I'll believe Justin Long, uh, who's insistent that he did nothing wrong. The whole time, I don't know if you were thinking this as well at this time, but I was like, ooh, how is he going to end up at the Barbarian? I know, it's house? like, I mean, there was a moment where I was like, God, it's like two movies for the price of one. Like, are we just done with the house? It's like so far from what we'd just been watching that I didn't even yeah. know if they were going to go back to the house. And I, I assumed they would because I was like, otherwise... Yeah, like, what, what the hell was that woman doing? <laughs> like, they just never explained yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. I need you to tell me that Tess is okay. And and as it started to reveal and we get, uh, so he's not on this project anymore he's losing all of his money and they talk about some of his properties so i was like it was an airbnb this will be the guy that owns the airbnb and that is what is happening so long story short justin long ends up in detroit which is which is where the airbnb is the barbarian house is he gets in he's like someone's shit is here like there's someone's toothbrush like charging on the <laughs> yeah. floor and there's a suitcase here he calls them up the the rental management people they say no one's rented out that flat um in like three weeks and you're like oh shit it's been three weeks since oh, tess was in that cellar which again is really good like the whole character of bonnie over the phone who's sort of in charge of the admin side of the airbnb how she didn't pick up the phone for tess she wasn't helpful with tess and keith's predicament now she's not being very helpful with Justin Long and his predicament. And it's all believable stuff because you've all been on the phone with somebody that doesn't want to help you or yeah. can't help you because their job doesn't let you and it's too complicated now and everything's tied up. And Justin Long's on the phone to his mother, who of course is also like, I know you would never do anything like that to a woman. Like, you're my baby boy and I love you. Um, and Justin Long hangs up because he's got an important work call coming in. And then he drops the F-bomb <laughs> immediately. And we were like, ah, no, he's trash. He's a trash person. <laughs> um, and we immediately go to a scene where he essentially admits that he did, in fact, sexually harass, abuse uh, the young actress in his TV pilot. Yes, in his own turn. I don't think he even, like, it's an interesting bit in the sense that that, is what we as the audience now know happened because we know what she's accusing him of and then we hear his version and it lines up. But when he's talking to his friend, he's like, well, yeah, she took a bit of convincing. She Like, it was a really kind of good portrayal. Like, he's a fascinating character in that he mm. has done something that's very bad. He doesn't really seem to understand the full scope of what he's done wrong until he's in a situation mm. where he thinks he might die and then he's like, oh my God, I'm a terrible person. And even then, yeah. that realisation doesn't, like, he's, you know, he's just a selfish person, essentially. Yeah, really, really nicely written again, really nicely written character. And then, of course, Justin Long has to find himself in the basement. He sees the mirror, um, and he sees the room, and then he sees the stone 
corridors and remember an hour and 40 minutes earlier we had this experience and this unveiling with Tess and it was horrifying and scary and awful and then Justin Long immediately sits down to Google if he can charge more for his Airbnb <laughs> square meters under his property and it is it is so funny I cannot even describe it to do it justice. it's a it it's a one wonderful break scenes. from like classic horror to like a really great sort of satirical moment he starts measuring the murder corridor um with a tape measure to work out how many square meters he can say it has and then he finds like the extra room down into the creepy stone tunnels and he's like fuck yes like there's so much space (laughs) between this it it's like oh it's just such a funny scene and like you can argue i mean i've heard some people say like that's not a logical thing to do. But you're like, right, one, he doesn't know he's in a horror. And two, yeah. like, we are being a bit silly and satirical here in terms of, like, the movie is sort of discussing the difference between male and female experience of, like, what's scary and what's not. And it's really cool and interesting to see a sort of jokey, like, man side of it where he finds the tunnel that's so, like, frightened test to such an extreme degree that like her voice was shaking and she was crying and he's like oh yes real estate yeah ching ching best yeah my favorite scene from the movie just really completely funnily done like dragged out in a great way that like it eventually gets tense because you know there's a little murder or a big murder woman down there big old big old powerful murder woman but like (laughs) it's you're laughing but you're also like cringing because you're like oh my god like you're gonna die for this, you know, finding the yeah. square meter of your home. So we're getting deeper and deeper into the corridors. And as you say, we're getting more and more aware that we're, we're hopefully, like potentially gonna find Keith's body. We're um, hopefully gonna come across Tess. And again, as we were getting deeper and deeper, the cinema carpet caught my attention again. <laughs> so I can't quite recall how he bumps into So he, he finds a room where there seems to be a place where somewhere s- someone sleeps and it's playing on the TV, this um, sort of a very old 80s video about breastfeeding. Um, and it's telling about how to breastfeed a baby. And then he's holding the tape measure in his hand and it suddenly gets like yanked from the other end and falls out of his hand and goes like skittering away down the corridor. Great moment because you've taken a joke and it's suddenly become like a uh, sort of weapon for the horror. Like a horror prop, yeah. Yeah. Um, And then she, uh, the mother comes looming out of the darkness and uh, I guess she grabs him. I I also at this point had my hands largely in front of my eyes, (laughs) but she dumps him in this pit um, and Mm. he is there in the pit and he turns and boom, jump scare, Tess is there. And she's like, it's Tess. Tess, our lovely, lovely Tess. And we're like, welcome back Tess, we missed you. Um, So that's lovely. And then, really horrific like almost body horror-esque moments follow where uh, the mother her lank long hair is like falling through the bars at the top of this pit and she hands them i don't know where the she most disgusting like, i mean i i think that might be so what they awful. had in the 80s i think like it, it's basically a bottle for feeding a baby but it but it like it, I, ugh, it's just it looks friggin disgusting and then they've added it, like hair to it, it and shit is that like 
It's like yeah, it's like this almost is gooey like looking. Roger Rabbit cartoon. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's like turned horrific with the prop usage. And another really lovely moment of like different reactions where the mother brings this disgusting thing down into the pit, and the reason Tess is alive, we find out, is because she just does as she's told. Um, which is what you're told to do when you are mugged and when you are accosted and all of these things, you just play it safe. And it's also a sort of like uh, it's going into that aspect that a lot of a lot of women talk about their experiences, where if someone approaches you, you know, let's say someone's talking to you and they seem like sort of aggressive and you like you don't know if they're going to hurt you or not, and you're people will say, oh, why don't you just like tell them to fuck off? And you're like, well, because. I, I need to be polite and like unassuming yeah. and like that's my best chance of not being hurt here is if I sort of like just yeah. allow this person to uh, you know talk to me and like just be a sort of calm about it as you can. It's such a real experience I literally had it um, walking from the train station at midnight last night and there was a car parked with the lights on and a man was sitting inside the car and as I walked past the car as I walked towards the car I like took my headphones out and I literally was holding my vape in the pocket of my coat and a, a thought went through my head where I was like, if I vape, is that, is he going to have be an something opinion they'll comment on that on. that's negative that's going to cause him to decide to come out and grab me and bundle me into the car? So I didn't vape just in case it potentially angered the man that was potentially yeah. deciding whether or not to bundle me into his car or not. And, and to be clear, that could be like, in general completely normal person no reason to be fearful of them but the point is you treat everything as a potential threat because you've heard about these moments where someone has like made a misjudgment or not even they've done anything wrong but like moments where someone's been a yeah. victim and so you just are try like trying to be in that wary space all the time neutral just completely and that is what tess is doing she is just being a placating neutral she says to justin long she's like suck on the bottle just, just fucking do yeah, it man just do just what she wants suck on the bottle and he does not do it he does not do it um and he keeps like batting it away and again as an audience member you're just like fucking <laughs> Drink the drink, drink Justin. Drink the horrible, like, horrible like you, bottle. But I don't want you to die in the way that Keith did. <laughs> and um, didn't you read about the actress's experience filming that? Yeah, she, it's just, she was laughing about it and basically saying that like they it started off as an already gross bottle and then they just like kept adding hair to it. And she was like, this is getting ridiculous how much hair is on this horrible <laughs> thing I have to suck on. Um, so yeah, it sounds like a fun experience. And then the mother, uh, because he is not being obedient in the way that Tess does, she drags him out of the um, pit because she's so freaking strong. And uh, she drags him God. to the room that has the VHS playing and she attempts to breastfeed him in a very, very gross scene. It's really interesting, isn't it? Because when he's pulled out, uh, you immediately think his head's gonna get smashed. Mm -hmm. um, but actually no the thought the logic of the mother is that oh baby doesn't want the bottle yeah so baby must want breastfeeding still it's an interesting because that's kind of our first moment understanding that like our first shot of the mother is her performing a massive act of violence and then this is the scene that sort of starts to portray her her reasoning and what's going on in her head and that she's attempting to mother um the people she finds 
it does this is one of the few moments i know i've discussed it with you it doesn't make much sense to me why she does that to keith um when she's willing to put up with all i can think is maybe when he was grabbing at tess she thought he was like attacking her and therefore did that um but like that is one of those small moments where it's it's almost like yeah. the logic isn't important it's just they did it because it would be a scary scene it's really interesting we've t- we've talked about this a lot where we're gonna slightly go back now yeah to keith's death where if you think about what was happening from tess's point of view you couldn't hear keith for ages then you hear him screaming a lot because as we find out later he thinks something bit him. yeah we've had many discussions about this like why would she bite him and so we thought well she can't have bit him because that's not like basically as we get to know the mother we'll shall we just sort of say what her deal is now yeah yeah because and i think this is what's so great about these movie all of these characters are so fully fleshed out that we can sit here and be like well that's very out of character yeah that's not in character of this like you wouldn't be like that's not very in character for like jason voorhees (laughs) yeah um but she so it's established that she is um She's been kept down there in the cellar. She's a victim of sexual assault and violence against her. She's a result of like intergenerational, um, what's the word? Inbreeding, uh, where yeah. her Frank, who we meet through a flashback in the 80s, was abducting women, raping them, um, and then raping the children that they had. Um, it's So it's suggested that the reason she is so deformed is that she's, you know, the result of incest um it's kind of again that's one of those things that is a bit wobbly for me um she my understanding of incest is that it's like you're at risk more much more at risk of getting like sort of congenital defects because like the recessive genes are coming together um it's not mm. like you're going to become super powered, which she is, <laughs> I would argue. She's, she's, um, she's, she's incredibly so strong, strong and, and... And monstrous, for want of a better word. Like, tru- truly, like, yeah. so tall, like, actually won the genetic lottery here. Yeah, like, uh, it turns out that her... incest is the method of how you produce, like, super powered, like, Avengers, super essentially. Beings. Like, yeah, she's... She's got many problems, but she's also like, yeah, she she can literally lift up Justin Long, like by the hair. Yeah, we know she goes out at night, uh, roaming the streets. She's not completely kept to the cellar, but she's probably in her forties now, and would have spent a lot of her young life. She she sort of should look more like the things from The Descent in theory because she spent a lot of her oh, life suppose, in like a cavernous labyrinth or, sh- or surely she should still look kind of human she should just have a load of health problems i'm also yeah. again this is like sorry i'm getting into my things that don't make sense about this sort of horror movie where but <laughs> silly horror movie. but like okay just one more complaint about the sort of incest thing she mm. i mean she looks like she's 70 i was thinking she was like 40 but let's like absolute youngest she could be if we're not even looking at how she looks we're just like okay she's like a woman fully grown woman youngest she can be is like 20 and that would be ridiculous if they're suggesting she's 20 but whatever let's say she's 20 it was the 1980s 
when he was abducting women. Oh, I suppose he could have been. It implied to me that he'd been. He was doing that in the 1980s. I suppose he could have been doing it yeah. for decades beforehand, but in that case, I don't really know why yeah. we were shown a flashback to the 1980s. But if we're saying that's when it really started happening, Reagan's in power, so absolute earliest it can be is 1981. There's only really one generation you can do like possibly two assuming that girls are fertile from like 10 like if for her to be 20 Mm. like really he could only have had a child with a child of his like once maybe twice i'm just like (laughs) i know it doesn't matter but i'm just getting a bit into like you know there are royal families from the past who have done that for generations and generations and i mean don't get me wrong you get like who is it it's like um i think it's like charles the second of spain or something who was like the most fucked up looking dude <laughs> so that's my medical opinion um but like and that was the result of like <laughs> generational inbreeding and stuff but like i'm just yeah. saying like you know 20 years of that i don't know if you can make this superpowered gangrenous woman but you know what do i know agreed and we're also tying into that that every child that he has with a woman is also a girl yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. i don't know it's confusing and all and all of them survive despite like presumably having these like you know congenital issues and stuff yeah almost definitely nutritional issues and because it's sort of implied that he doesn't feed them properly and Mm. all of this so a bit of a weird one um, so that's my little complaint about how that doesn't make sense. <laughs> but it does make for a wonderful uh, breastfeeding scene, which is really scary. And 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 really interesting because it, it is it is um real real body horror in the sense of like it's a grotesque figurine and it's 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 what's horrifying about it, which is what I kind of love about it, is that it's sexual assault fundamentally that's what's frightening about this scene it's not that it's a big scary monster trying to breastfeed it's it's a form of sexual assault like which is what justin long has done to the actress so there's a skewed sense of justice here but a little bit of me was like yeah it doesn't feel good does it justin (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, it also ties into this conversation that arguably has been going on for, for years and years and years, but has sort of had a renaissance recently uh, of this idea of, like, the old woman as a horror trope, particularly the naked old woman as a horror trope. And just to circle back at this point to uh, that point we made where bill skarsgård you're fundamentally stronger than i am so it's frightening for me to stay here in this airbnb in case you decide to be a weirdo and attack me and it wouldn't be frightening if it was the other way around and tess wouldn't have let him in so women don't have that uh they're not usually stronger than men they're not um as fast often and so are they as much as a threat as men somebody posed to me recently like would halloween be frightening if they tried to do a modern remake where they made michael myers a woman like would that be scary and we think uh, as well this halloween i really tried to think of female horror monsters and you've got kathy bates in misery and the only reason she's able to have any power is because she literally incarcerates and um, and he's severely injured yeah 
like wheelchair bound mm. so she has the upper hand um i think asami in audition also has to like drug a lot of the i think that's her thing isn't it doesn't she drug her yeah victims. she drugs them and then most um, other ones i can think of are like ghosts and sort of yeah supernatural beings yeah maybe she counts as a sort of supernatural being but we're like canonically she is not no yeah she's a, she's a real person an unlikely to actually exist real person but yeah she's she's a woman but she is given the strength and speed of like the sort of again i'm putting it in quote marks like man character like a sort of michael myers jason Voorhees <laughs> type more sort of strong slashery character i suppose people are trying to say that the argument doesn't count here because as we've sort of mentioned she's technically like 30 years old yeah yeah like so but you can't an like that but argument is weird because aesthetic. yeah like she could be any age but she looks like an old woman like and that's the point it's not yeah. about like well if you read her wikipedia she's actually Undeniably. you know 18 or whatever like because it it's about how she looks i mean samara <laughs> is what like a hundred but you don't go like oh it's not about creepy little girls it's about yeah. elderly women because she's technically <laughs> yeah. 100 yeah exactly so um interesting interesting go discuss go um, <laughs> So Go. whilst Justin Long is getting breastfed and served a little slice of justice pie, Tess, darling Tess, is making her escape. Good for her. Go, go, go. I on. would be too scared to move. Um, but she does it. She escapes. She runs through that corridor and uh, she steps on a twig or something to alert the mother. So there's a bit of a chase. And um, she breaks out of the cellar window that she previously threw the key through to Keith. She breaks out of it. She gets out. And she, um, and it's it's really interesting. We turn around and the mother is reaching through the window, like in daylight. And it's really interesting to see her having come out of the basement in daylight. Yeah, it's very interesting. It was really, it was quite, um, it was really odd to almost know that she existed in daytime. I know that's like, you were yeah. like, oh, that's a real person. That's not like a monster that only comes out at night like i now see she's a woman she's just like the scariest woman to have ever existed and this is doubly confirmed by a character we forgot to mention earlier uh who was he is do you know what like (laughs) i because we've talked about him so much i've become accustomed to his face and he's like my favorite character now because he makes not a single lick of sense and I love him for it. He's such a horror movie character in that he is, he's like a, a, a neighbor, if you will, a, a homeless man that lives on this neighborhood in Detroit and has done all of his life. And he's stepped up, stopped up by the water tower in his little homeless shack. And he, and he knows the dealings of the house. And, and he, he's there witnessing the monster with Tess, which is a wonderful moment as an audience member because there's nothing worse than watching the person try and explain there's a thing there's a thing and everybody going shut up i don't believe and he's like yeah that's that creepy woman who lives in that house and you're like oh my god (laughs) thank god that someone's like thank god and we'd previously met him before doing another brilliant horror trope Mm -hmm. of she gets out the car and in the distance he is pelting towards scary she's just beautiful because he easily could have like been waiting by the house for her and as she got out of the car been like hey 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 yeah hello sorry to bother you 
Um, but I just want to let you know that there is a creepy woman that lives in the basement of this house and you probably shouldn't stay here and I, I just thought I'd let you know while it's daylight because she does come out at night time. Um, I, like, I'm happy to talk you through the story but I really suggest that we pack your bags and like we get we get out of here. I completely understand if you don't believe me but like I'm really just trying to help you because I've watched too many people get eaten in this area. But instead of doing that... Whatever he sprints full <laughs> power at her and then when she slams the door behind her it's like slamming not even yelling anything he's like hey little girl get out of there as the audience member you know that his wording is vague enough that he is trying to warn her to leave which is lovely but she is 100% taking it as like don't you fucking try and turf me out of my lovely airbnb you homeless man yeah um so great stuff and then he literally like ups exposition oh my god she's not even the worst thing in that house she's been here this many years she's a product of this blah 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 blah. like it's majestic i mean come live with me in my water tower if it's a joke it's a funny joke like i really couldn't work out if that bit was satirical Mm. he's just a random homeless exposition man who knows everything that's ever happened to that monster (laughs) despite the fact that she lives in a cellar he's like yep her dad's called this and he's been raping women since the 80s and she's a result of inbreeding and that's you know and she comes out at night and she hunts rats and stuff and then she goes back in there but you know she feels this way about this and her favorite color is this and you know she's always wanted to go to montreal or whatever the fuck he said like he just goes on and on It's so good. And like, just now in my head, I've decided that he is an ex-cop that was working on the case of Frank, but, ne- but already my, my, my Well, he didn't do a very complete, fucking good job, did like, he? <laughs> but never, never quite, got, never got quite enough evidence to bring- He was like, uh, I know all this for a fact, but I don't, you know, but we can't like- get a warrant to look in wish, his house i wish this is the thing maybe it's that maybe if we were to look at his costume it might be a disheveled old cop no costume i'm not fucking buying it he's like... just a man who bursts into oh, existence to tell us and he's like <laughs> here come like like let me walk you to this gas maybe station like so the plot can continue he's writing a book <laughs> i would love that that should be he should be like a novelist who's like or, or he shouldn't have known Wait, as much. Maybe he, like he, maybe... We already had one flashback. There's no reason we couldn't have had another flashback that established who she was. But instead it's like, oh, this guy will tell you. And Or if he was also in the flashback, maybe. Because he feels so separate to the rest of the movie. Everyone else in the movie is, is conjoined in some way. Um, beautifully unfolded. Because, because just at this moment, we're just told... Um, she's not even the worst thing in that house so immediately i'm thinking oh my god like what what surprises do we have in store barbarian this is fun and then we got our lovely flashback with frank and it's it's again really nice stuff really like um very ryan murphy like your day-to-day serial killer puts his little boiler suit on uh like really great use of camera again where we we go shopping with him and we're getting plastic sheets and rope and things like that and we're like this is so fucking suspicious and this woman's just like plastic sheets they'll be down aisle four and you're like he's clearly oh i forgot you don't know you're in a horror movie yeah um 
so it's really good stuff really ominous dialogue of like um oh when's the baby coming uh how old's your baby and he's like oh it's not due yet and you're like okay so he's got a baby on the way that's weird and obviously you're gonna find out later that it's because he's murdering and kidnapping and raping people um i mean you keep and... saying murdering i've no doubt he did murder some people to stop it getting but like we know he needs to have the babies so like but but snuff there's the snuff films there's see you keep films. saying that but then he like it was never actually established like we know he films himself raping them and obviously there were so many tapes he must have ah, killed some women okay. but i'm just like you know i think he's like he was pr keeping them captive quite often as opposed to like murdering every woman like... he i'm sure he did murder a good amount of them i'm just don't think it was his and primary like, if they died in captivity i think that's, that's you're quite right that's still murder, murder. yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah I, I i take your point and there's a really spooky moment where we're in the car the camera is like in the car with him and we're helping him stalk and follow mm. this woman home and he almost looks at the camera horrible. he doesn't quite but yeah he like turns and looks sort of past the passenger seat and there's a brief moment where you're like oh, he's like looking at me like i don't want to be part <laughs> of this <laughs> yeah don't involve me <laughs> um and it, you really do feel like that it's very good stuff and uh we follow this lovely woman with this lovely yellow dress and we go into her house and it's the fucking 80s so you can just be like ding dong fucking avon i'm a water man and like, <laughs> <laughs> like you're like oh god and um again we we had a laugh at this where he goes into the bathroom and he like unlocks the window with the implication being that he's going to break in later but like if either of us lived in that house by nightfall that window would have been double checked yeah and double i was locked. like jokes on him how often i check that my windows are locked <laughs> <laughs> he'd be so annoyed he'd be like oh what the fuck like trying <laughs> to get in the bathroom this ties into a lovely point this is um probably my favorite thing about this movie it's such a silly little point but i'm obsessed with it um she's in the yellow dress and later on as we'll find out uh we we see the yellow dress again and then we see a vhs of like essentially her murder and it's a brilliant moment of insinuation and visual storytelling because in this movie we do not see a single act of violence against a woman other than i think possibly at the end um yes where... that i mean even that is not it, it's not like, like the most horrible things that happen in the movie are never actually shown on screen i find that so exciting um because lots of horrible things happen it came up with the 18 rating and it was like gore and both of us were like oh no, no. <laughs> um <laughs> yeah it was really nice like but i actually... liked that like there's a history in horror of violence against women being a sort of titillating thing and any of the nudity and violence against women and stuff like it was horrific and largely unseen and like it was the implication of it that was scary none of it was there to like sort of just make the movie more entertaining for viewers yeah um so really 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 enjoyed that before we get out of the um, flashback real quick i just um yeah. thought it was interesting and i wondered if they were sort of making a statement here with regards to like we were saying that woman allows the man into her house to look around her bathroom and then he goes and she's like cool bye and um and then she doesn't lock her window after um 
it's interesting because Tess, our modern day woman, is so cautious at all times. And I think it was like, it was sort of an interesting thing about whether like women now feel like are more savvy to that, feel more threatened, yeah. whether that's rightfully or not. You know, there's, it's in the same way that people say, oh, back in the 80s, no one used to lock their doors. And like, now yeah, you're like, well, why the fuck and... not? Like, you should yeah, lock literally. your door. Um, and it, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it seemed that like awareness of safety and the fact that she needed to be, to take care of herself. Like she had that a lot more than our 80s woman character. That's such a good point. That's so, And again, that's all done through visual storytelling. When Tess is first in the Airbnb, there are so many close-up shots of her shutting and locking the door of the bathroom shutting and locking the door of the bedroom and then the one time she doesn't do it is after she's had a lingering shot with Keith and it's like oh are they gonna kiss oh no we're going to bed and I expect because we've had it so like like a repetition and I was like and now we shut and lock the door and then she didn't she didn't do it and I was like oh god and immediately I felt unsafe and rightly so because two hours later that door is gonna be creaking open in the middle of the night and it's like ah so good and you're absolutely right and then the mirror image of that of that woman in the 80s yeah really really interesting and and we just get him opening up the cellar door and we just hear the screams of the women from the basement which is horrible horrible indeed um and then we're back to the modern day where tess has dragged herself to the gas station she uses the phone she has clearly been through the fucking wars um and it didn't even occur to me and i know she says it at the time police people turn up police men really turn up and she's like i'm not on crack and i think that's the implication going forward that yeah. they're meant to think they, that because we're in detroit because we're in this neighborhood full of yeah she's filthy crackers. in an abandoned neighborhood um she looks an absolute mess and she's hysterical when she's telling them her story I do understand why they are like, all right then, whatever, and then don't act on it. They're also like the most comically shit cops ever. Um, and again, yeah. I sort of got the impression that it was trying to make a sort of believe women type statement where it was like, you know, you're, you're just thinking she's crazy. You're not trusting her with her experience. Mm -hmm. Little heavy handed maybe, but it kind of had to happen because otherwise you don't get act three. Completely, and and also because at the time I was very angry about that. I was like, "This is like those cops in the first episode of fucking Bates Motel that are literally next to a corpse in the bath, and they're like, everything seems to come out here." And you're like, "Come on!" So I was a bit annoyed at them, but actually now I'm thinking of the context again. Like I think as a screenwriter, I would have been like, "I've put enough in here." that you think that these cops think that in this abandoned neighborhood full of crackheads with no ID, she cannot be trusted. And all that she's seemingly done is broken a window of a nice place, which, you know, might happen as a thing a lot. I don't know why they thought she'd confess to that. And that, like, you know, it's a little, like, I assume they just think she's, she's off so her head. Earnest. But, like, she... She seems yeah. quite, and they threatened to take her to the police station. And again, that was a moment where I was like, Tess, like, oh. fucking go for it. Like, hell yeah. Have a shower Yeah, there. like, yeah. have a rest and then calmly explain to them, like, there's a monster in a basement. This is the thing, because we start getting into, like, Brave Tess. And I love Brave Tess. I think she's a great final girl. 
but I would not be brave Tess. I would be Tess that goes, you know what? Take me in, officers. I'll have a shower. I'll have a change of clothes. I'll have a sleep. And then we can come back and save Justin Long tomorrow. Mm. And, and, and I know, and this is, again, so interesting, it's because I'm an audience member that's like, the sexual harasser can stay in yeah, the basement like, for a day or he's two. not like, worth he's it, Tess. Fine. Whereas she obviously yeah. doesn't know that. And also, I, I, to be clear, I'm not saying like having sexually harassed someone means you deserve to be oh, sexually yeah. assaulted in a basement for the rest Justin of your Long life. Justin Long doesn't but, deserve to die. But, but you know, it's no. you as a, um. the audience are more like, well, he's not really that likeable a character. So like, whatever, leave him. Um, because yeah. so to explain yeah. that she's then going to go back and um, save him and go back into the cellar on her own um it's i kind of was interested by this is the moment where i start to struggle with what tessa's motivations are i think she's just brave and moral and wants to save him where she couldn't save keith um it's still kind of i think we're really meant to remember keith yeah i think yeah she's hurting from what happened to keith and that's probably why (laughs) and she's also like it was absolutely terrible and i i'd want someone to come for me and so I, I understand all that. I am, like I think I'd probably go get a gun or something, but you know, like that's her um she just needs to rush back. Um I had sort of it's interesting that early on they sort of discussed the fact that Tess was in a it's not really established if it was abusive or not, but in a sort of toxic relationship with someone who she sort of only just managed to leave. Um and like I was intrigued as to whether it's like it's her feeling pulled back to this like dangerous situation that like part of it is that where she can't like step away and do what's right for her she has to like stick with something if she feels it's the right thing to do um but to be honest there's any number of like motivations you can put on her because I don't think I mean they don't explain why she's going back because I don't think they ever could because she has to do it for the movie but it's just batshit and and i recommend anyone listening doesn't go into a spooky (laughs) cellar uh, to save someone you don't know i think i think you're right though i think whilst they may not be satisfying we've listed like quite a number of reasons as to why she might be going back Mm -hmm. which i think again if i was writing this script i'd be like that'll do yeah like Like, come on use your brain can't fight me on that like it like we all know she has to go back so she returns and we know uh, what annoyed me was that we were told that the mother roams the streets at night mm-hmm. and it's daytime when the police are there and then we cut to nighttime why did she go but then maybe she's like she it's like she chills out yeah it's, she just sort hours. of sits around like waiting for her to leave <laughs> Until sundown. and i suppose she wants to be in there when the woman is the mother is out of there but also i just i'm not fucking going in there at night like all my instincts are like no yeah yeah you cannot make me um so we break in and we get the car keys and we're in the car and the mother storms out of the front door and we ram into her again like this supernatural being that that cannot die seemingly because we ram her into the side of the building. How does incest achieve that? That's <laughs> it just doesn't make any Rock sense. Solid organ. <laughs> um like incest is good actually. It gives you superhuman <laughs> beings. Um, because of course there's a brilliant moment where we leave the mother's corpse hanging on the hood of the car and we go in and we save Justin Long 
um, who we'll come back to in a second. Yes. But of course, when we step out of the house again, she's gone. Whoa. Whoa where is she? She's probably right behind you. <laughs> um, in the meantime, Justin Long has met the thing that's way worse than the mother living in the house, um, which is that Frank's still kicking about. Horrible Frank from the 80s. Yes. Uh, surrounded by all of his stuffed movies, his VHSs that he watches for shits and gigs, surrounded by like beer and cigarettes, living his best life down in the basement in a room that the mother is too afraid to go into. Lovely moment. Loved that when uh, he keeps looking back down when Justin Long or AJ, as his character is called, is fleeing her. um, He keeps looking back down the corridor and you can see glimpses of her following behind him. And then he gets to this door and he looks back at her and he sees her like hesitate and then like step away. Um, And it gives you, it's a great, like it's a real thrill of a moment where you're like, oh my God, like what's behind the door that scares her and it's frank and it's frank that was another moment that i was looking at the car (laughs) (laughs) and then you told me about it afterwards and i was like that sounds like a really lovely moment (laughs) too bad i missed it (laughs) wasn't looking thought she was gonna run at him was not looking i don't know what it is it's like monsters in corridors oh uh, yeah very scary what we said at the time was uh what was really nice about this monster mother is that when she first arrives you're like oh that's scary and then once you see her properly especially in daylight you're like cool i know what you look like i can deal with how you look um you're not going to be a shock to my senses anymore so i can watch the movie with you in it for some reason my brain doesn't click with that so even though i can watch her in long scenes where she's doing stuff when she's like running at people i can't watch it i'm too frightened it's fair enough like it's yeah because it gives you that jolt regardless if if you know that she's going to do it or you know how she looks it's like like it's just a your brain doesn't have enough time to be like oh actually that's okay i can handle that so yeah i get it but Yeah. yeah that was a really a cool moment i must say again this movie plays with your perceptions of like right and wrong and justice and injustice and it's like a decrepit old man on a bed and your immediate thing is like not quite sympathy because you know immediately who he is but you're like like this is it he like this is he's not he's not hurting anyone he's like just dying here he's just living here and and not living really Mm. um and yet he's done such terrible things to his daughter that she is too afraid to like go near unless she's summoned by that bell that was hanging in the corridor really stupid in that like again like how has this man never been convicted he's sitting in a pool of evidence yeah he like Like he he lives in a room with all his vhs's of him torturing women and he's just like chilling (laughs) out and they're like and again the homeless man (laughs) fucking knows what happened so like (laughs) but this place exists so like like, did he stay in the Airbnb one time and then, like, made it his life's work to just <laughs> to, stay like, there get and into it. people? Maybe he went down and had a chat with Frank. Like, who bloody knows what happened? But, um... Yeah, maybe he's, like, a journalist. Like, this is the thing. Like, I feel like they could have made the homeless man any number of other type of person. He kind of had to be homeless so no one would believe him. But he needed to be... I, I wanted him to be an ex-something, so he had justification for his knowledge. Yeah, we talked a lot about how well-developed so many of the characters are. I would say that 
and I'm so sorry to call him this, but homeless man, because I don't know what his character's name is. Andre, maybe? Andre? Andre? Yeah, I think it's Andre. Andre. Isn't it the actor? Okay. Andre. So um, Andre, yeah, how, uh, he he is not a well-developed character, I would argue. He's, he's kind of there to tell us what's going on and to provide a couple laughs along the way, I would say. Yeah. Um, but yes, really cool moment meeting Frank in the basement. Um, AJ witnesses the crimes that, like the videos and um, like comments to him like how sick he is. It's interesting because again, it's like two sexual abusers meeting and obviously they're completely different levels of crimes. Like, you know, one is like a yeah. horrific thing that's going on for 40 years and or 40, yeah, 40 years. And then AJ is AJ. Um, but it's, sort of an interesting moment um before really he saw the video he felt that the guy was a victim and he said to him oh don't you worry though i'll get the police here and they'll be like swarming down here any minute now and in response uh frank shoots himself because he doesn't yes wish to have to face you know justice for his crimes because he's a dickhead which is something that AJ, AJ also, also really does not agree want with. to do. <laughs> so yeah, like an interesting, you know, two very different characters, but they have the same through line. Um, so that's really interesting. Yeah. Getting on to my uh, dealing with practicalities again, um, it's established that the mother, when she goes out at night, she captures rats to eat. So has Frank just being like fed rats on occasion? And if so, is he proud of his life's work? Yeah, it, the room is sort of filled with, from my memory, maybe I'm projecting... I feel like he's got drink there and stuff, right? And like maybe like crisp packets, but like it's not like she's popping to Aldi. Well, that's the thing, she can't... I mean, it. she doesn't put on clothes ever, so I don't know how she's going to go... So they won't let her in Aldi. Yeah, like, <laughs> they check on the door. <laughs> um, so yeah, so like possibly which like you know this is the life that you've built for yourself mm. this is the decisions that you've made and this is where they've led you with your monster let child feeding you like probably live or at least raw rat and drinking beer and pissing in cans and re-watching where did she get the beer of, from movies. maybe he brews his own beer them? but where do you or, where or... would you go to steal enough beer for your I mean, there's there's the gas station nearby. Maybe, Does maybe she'd have to go inside, and then they'd have her on CCTV. She's not very subtle, is she? No, she's not like she's incredibly tall and <laughs> and again and naked like... and kind of green. <laughs> and and can't speak, which can't is speak. interesting. She she can say she can say like baba, yeah, and like boop. Oh, she does a boop. Oh, cute. We the boop. That was the moment that I was like. I'm on board with this. Character. Yeah, like, I sympathise. She's with the this protagonist. <laughs> she's, she's my hero. Um, she boots. She boots Justin Long, and it is it's super so cute. cute. Yeah, very cute. Um, and it's it's one of the nice moments that makes her such a sympathetic character, even though she is also yeah. the, even though Frank is the true like villain of the piece, she is obviously the monster yeah. of the piece. Yeah, that we hang out with. Complex, interesting, layers, themes. What's it trying to say? We don't know. We'll probably go into that. Um, and so Frank's killed himself and Justin Long is like, what the fuck? And it's given him food for thought because Tess comes and gets him. They bump into Andre 
and they escape and they're in the water tower and they're there and that's where Andre is truly like here's what Frank's deal is here's what the mother's deal is I know everything don't ask me why <laughs> and then he has the best line in the entire movie where they're like well, how long have you been here um, how, does she not know about this place and he's like I've been here 30 years and she's never once found me <laughs> mother finds them and it's and it, the movie gives you just enough of a moment to like crack a smile as you Im- happily wait for the mother to then immediately yeah burst it's it such a again that's why I'm like is he just a purely satirical character he turns up he's like yeah. for some reason I know all this stuff also I behave in ways that kind of exist just to entertain the audience like. I yeah. run at her to give you a scare, even though that's not logical. I'm totally yeah. chill about the fact that there's an evil woman, or not evil, but, you know, monstrous woman in the house. Mm. I somehow know who Frank is. Like, he's just there, like, he's almost like a cardboard cutout who it's like, hey, I say all the things yeah. I have to... And then, wonderful <laughs> moment, he's like, dramatic irony! <laughs> and then she breaks in and she kills him. She rips his arm off and beats him to death with it. It's so good. It was really good. <laughs> it's so good. Um, we were like, oh, this is what they meant by gore. <laughs> I wonder if you would have talked to Zach Kreger if he would have some insight and was like, I, I wanted to write, a, or I decided to write a character that was just like a complete, massive, ridiculous homage to how stupid horror movies are because it also meant that I could sew together my script. Yeah. I did wonder if it was a specific reference to something, but if it is, then I don't know Mm. what it is. And it's sort of trying to do what, like, Scream does this Mm. very delicately and nuancedly and cleverly and and well done and it's it's tight, it's tight. Whereas Barbarian's more sort of stitched together like something that the mother would make out of wool, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And and this character is the needle and thread almost yeah. of that. Um and uh, again, like I love it so much that I'm happy for it to be a little monster of a movie that doesn't quite work or make sense on a sort of logical level because it's saying so many interesting things and it's 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 not really coming down on any side of anything um it's just sort of posing sort of like isn't this interesting mm, and you're like it is definitely um which i really appreciate in a movie other people would much prefer for the movie to like specifically say a concrete thing and yeah have that yeah because i don't there. i from this i really got there's not a specific meaning there's a few things that it explores and it's certainly not mm. pro incest or sexual assault or anything but it, it's just kind of like here's a thought oh here's a thought like it doesn't you know and a few things it does are kind of um i'd say unnuanced in terms of its discussion of like women's experience versus men's experience but also that's kind of that's what it's doing like it's kind of proudly unnuanced in that it's like oh this is kind of interesting discuss yeah which i love and like i think the reason that people keep going back to see this movie and the reason that it got the cinematic release that it eventually got which i don't think it was ever intended to get and why there's such a big hype about it online is because you come away and you can't stop talking about it and there's so much to say about it um whereas if it's like a neat little tight nutshell of a movie you're like that was great it was really well done whereas this is like oh it's so open-ended and like interesting in so many different ways um, so we're into the final bit of our movie. We actually just missed one point that I do feel might, um, is that when Tess came down to rescue AJ, 
AJ had a gun, the gun that Frank had used to kill himself, and not seeing that it was her, he shot her. And then he's like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. And he does get them both out of there. Yes. Um, but it's just notable that then when he's they're both talking to I've already forgotten his name, Andre. Um, then he Andre. sort of makes a speech about how he is in fact a bad person and that he wants to be a good person yes. and he wants to change and that he feels responsible for having hurt Tess so badly um, and that he wants to fix it. Um, and then when the mother breaks in, he, I would do the same, but it's an interesting moment where suddenly all his morals are dropped. He runs ahead of the woman he shot and basically leaves her like limping behind him as they go up the water tower. Tess again is still so amicable in these moments where she's like, it was an accident. She's so forgiving. I didn't mean to, and, and again, I think it just, again, she's, she's becoming quite a heavy handed version of female experience, yes. but it is true. You know, the man did just shoot you and does have a gun and, and you know what? There's no point in being angry and there's no point in pointing fingers because what's important is the bigger picture that we're all safe because we're all nurturing and we're all together and we're a community. Whereas Justin Long is like, I need to be safe and I am all that matters. And that will come into play in two seconds. But yes, he um, they're running up the water tower after he's had this whole, what's going to look like it's going to be a redemption arc. Um and as we get to the top of the water tower, the mother starts lunging for us, and uh, Tess has finally made it to the top, <laughs> and Justin Long is like, soz lol. <laughs> He's like, you can buy me time, and shoves her off the water tower, <laughs> which is the only act of like violence I would argue we see in this yeah, movie. Yeah, and even then played um, quite, like, one, you don't see real violence, and also it was quite funny. It was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> it was horrible but it was funny <laughs> we just had this wonderful monologue and then he immediately goes back on it he's like actually perfect. i want to live so <laughs> which again like i'm sure if you were to do a poll of the audience watching probably 50 maybe 50 plus percent of the audience might be like i would throw tess off oh my god tower. do you think <laughs> I like. I think so. I would I run honestly, ahead of Tess, probably. I don't have that much faith in you. I but I wouldn't throw her off a water tower. I mean, for one, he was incredibly strong to be able to do that. Like, but but you would, but you wouldn't throw her off. I don't think I would. I can't even. To be honest, I I wouldn't imagine that that would work. To be honest, so then I'd be like, oh my god, I just like killed Tess and immediately got killed by the mother. Like, just be a really undecent death. Yeah. I I think I think that's definitely something a lot of people would have the thought of like, oh, I could do this, but it might not work, and then there would be egg on my face, and then <laughs> and then there'd be egg on my face, face. and then I'd be dead. So he throws Tess off, and there's a, a wonderful scene which got the only reaction from our audience in the cinema of the mother like supermaning off the top of the water tower in slow mo towards Tess. And we don't see it, but the implication is that she manages to catch her midair and twist around. So then the mother falls to the floor and her head is bleeding out onto the pavement. And Tess is laying on top of the mother, having been saved, uh, which is lovely. And Justin Long makes his way down the water tower and oh shit, <laughs> Tess, Tess is, alive. is the final girl. 
No one, everyone forgot they were in a horror movie. <laughs> Test survived. So then Justin Long tries to backtrack. Oh, every... it's so funny. You understand why I did that, right? I'm really sorry. I just don't think there was any other options. Imagine how embarrassed you would be having tried to sacrifice someone and they live. <laughs> it's so good. And you really see his like, real nature coming through that's been there the whole movie and he's like you you fell i tried to grab you like you were actually slipping like i didn't even throw you like it was you you fell you slipped it was slippy up there tess manages to peel herself off the mother's body and um i don't think she gets to say anything no because i'd i'd, I'd have been interested as to what she said of like it's an accident and stuff you'd be like fuck you yeah but luckily um the mother is of course not dead because she's superhuman <laughs> and she can survive anything. Um, so she wakes up and very satisfactorily plunges both thumbs into AJ's eyeballs and crushes his little skull like a grape. Yes. She then wants to take Tess back with her, which, I don't know, it's so good because you're like, you have to die now, mother, because you've, you've killed like two people in this movie alone yeah who knows and, it, who and it's like killed. the end of the movie so you gotta go yeah and you gotta go baby girl yeah um but it's it's that's really sad and it's sad having tess say i know i can't i can't go back with you and with her limited means of communicating you can really get how the mother just you know wants to be with tess and wants to take care of her in her own way um yeah it was a really sort of sweet moment as she was dying it's, it's kind of bittersweet yeah and i i feel like the mother almost understands that tess is about to kill her as well mm. in in a way and is like okay yeah i'd rather you do it yeah or, or not maybe that's it's hard to know yeah i got the impression that she was maybe she doesn't understand that she's going to die but she gets that tess has to leave her and she maybe yeah she like i think she sort of half understands what's happening um but mm. she trusts tess because she's her little baby a baby that's done that's done good that's done all the right things so tess uses Chekhov's gun and shoots the mother it's very sad and like you know everyone in the audience is like she's not dead like <laughs> she can survive being rammed into by yeah, a car it's... falling off a water tower a little gun isn't going to stop her. Um, but it does. But we are to assume that the mother is now dead. She is dead. She doesn't get up. We don't have a Godzilla ending of Godzilla <laughs> egg reveal. Like, the mother is dead. Like, it's like bye-bye baby or something. Like, kicks Yeah, in. yeah, please. As Tess walks off, final girl style. I love it. Yeah, fun film. I have... Some things about it, like it wasn't, you know, the most masterful piece I've ever seen, but I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the first act for what it was, and then I enjoyed the second and third acts for what they were. Um, it was interesting. I Completely. question if, if I'd been really, really excited to see it and I'd watched the trailer a bunch of times, maybe I would be disappointed because I'd be like, well, that's not the movie I was promised. Mm. Um, but it was just, it was a laugh, mm. wasn't it? It was. And even I initially, when we first went for food, not disappointed, but there was like a discombobulated shift within me that was like, oh, I was expecting something quite, not highbrow, mm. but like big and important. And that was just a really good movie. And so my expectations versus reality um, 
500 Days of Summer style were a bit at odds with each other yeah. and it took like a couple of hours for me to settle into what I'd just seen and then appreciate it mm-hmm. and I stand by my four and a half stars out of five and I really and I I really love a project that is that it's like someone like tried to do a thing and they like did it interestingly and they did it well I love that it's his, his debut like that gives me that gives him so much weight for me. I'm so much willing to be like, you know what, mate? Like, you can do what you want. This is your first project. Yeah, like, go, go crazy. You, just, you did your best, and your best was really good. So, like, well done. Like, good <laughs> for you. Love the cast. Like, when I see... It's like um, a lot of my favourite Disneys are ones that are, like, massively flawed compared to, like, really, like, tight. Like, tight. Like, I'm like it's good but it's so tight that it's almost boring Mm. like it's it's like i love things with like a bit of a flaw um because it just makes it a bit more interesting and edgy i don't know maybe that's like silly and or like dumb of me but like i i like seeing cracks in things um and this has cracks (laughs) andre is a big old (laughs) crack in the middle of this movie but I love him for it. Yeah, there are a few logical flaws with it from my point of view. Um, in general, I'm willing to accept those things, but there were a few bits where I was like, like because you have explained the motivations of characters so well, like, please God explain how this happened or how this happened. There's a tiny part of me as well that's like, she's a really cool monster, but... I mean, I suppose it's not unlike other movie monsters where they've formed from a tragedy, like Samara was a little girl who I think was like drowned or whatever in a well. And Mike Myers was, you know, he had that very sad moment where he killed his babysitter. I guess that one doesn't really count because uh, (laughs) he's already done that. (laughs) Um, But like, I don't, I don't remember what happened to Jason. Did he drown? Uh, I don't know, was he, like, bullied? And, yeah, and then he gets, like, drowned because it's his mum in the first... I've not actually seen Friday the 13th, I don't mm. know. Yeah, I can't um, remember. Freddy Krueger was, really of wet, course, um, horribly burned by the by the townspeople. Oh, was he? I actually didn't know that. Um, Interesting. Because he, like, was a paedophile. Oh, oh, okay, well, that... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry. I was trying to be facetious, but... Um, <laughs> you don't know the story. <laughs> Yeah, he was a paedophile that escaped justice, so the parents of the kids took it upon themselves. To oh, okay, right, yeah, so not that so much. Because what I was going to say <laughs> yeah. is it's interesting where the greatest victim of the film is the uh, monster, if you will. It's the, it's the monster, she's yeah. she the character who has endured like the most hurt and been treated the most awfully and that's her motivation is that she's like all i want is someone to take care of but i can't communicate with people properly because of how i've been brought up Mm. um it's sort of interesting it's kind of sad to me in a degree it reminds me of those times where like you know it was a disabled person all along like it's a scary disabled person that kind of thing um yeah so yeah i was sort of like it was interesting because they made her 3d as a character but then it also made me be like, well, why the hell are you making her the villain? You know, but then I suppose they tried to yeah. step back from that at the end when they made her sympathetic. Again, like her killing of Andre is understandable because in her eyes, he's kidnapped her children. Um, 
in a way kind of it's, it's she's really up and down on how willing she is to kill people like she she yeah. sort of picks at random it's like when she reads the script she's like oh i'm meant to i meant to kill person. someone that's weird because i was feeling quite like <laughs> sad and like lonely but i guess I'll... and it almost would have been interesting to have had the movie go about where she like didn't kill anyone mm-hmm. and so all she did was kidnap and keep in a uh, odd reflection of what her father used to do yeah but she was trying to be nurturing whilst he was abusing um and and perhaps if like uh she'd kept keith and tess in the pit and then by the time aj joins them keith had died through like um the bite we we talked how the bite was potentially actually him just like nicking himself on the stone maybe he died of sepsis or something yeah yeah um yeah i see how that could yeah he's dead and then that would have been horrible because tess is then sharing a pit with a corpse and then the mother would have like anger and sadness from the 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 non-movement of one of her children Mm -hmm. but keith had also died anyway so that's sad to the audience and also she's a threat because she's like let him die because she doesn't know what she's yeah yeah but hasn't fully um been responsible for it in the same way that perhaps if she'd entered the water tower and accidentally crushed andre with the door or something rather than fully ripped his limbs yeah then again that could be she's a threat without being intentionally and i think they sort of chose to like ignore that like sometimes she's a peaceful character if you will like obviously incredibly flawed but peaceful and sometimes she's incredibly violent i mean there are again like with everything else we're talking about there's so many reasons you can assign to things like she's grown up with sort of on and off violence against her Mm. she probably considers that normal as you said there may be certain people she considers to be her child and certain people she doesn't and the people she doesn't are threats i don't know how she knows what like like what yeah how she decides yeah. that because it's not even gendered that's it's the thing like she it's like aj's a child children. keith wasn't like andre's not a child um sort of interesting yeah but i i like you said like maybe she thought he'd kidnap them but then again that doesn't i don't know it, again it's one of those things where it's in reality i suspect the reason that she's on and off with the killing is because there's some really cool gruesome scenes and there's some really great shocking moments, not least the killing of Keith, which is fantastic, um, as yeah. a sudden shift in tone. And uh, yeah. it's more scary that way if she bludgeons people to death sometimes. Yeah, yeah. perhaps they didn't care about making so much of a point about that, mm-hmm. uh, which is why they chose to just be like, fuck yeah, I'm making a horror movie. I'm just going to make a bludgeon Keith to death because it will be sad for the audience to then be like, oh no, I liked him. I suddenly decided that I liked him. (laughs) Um, Because I very much was like that. In the moment of his death, I was like, he was one of the good ones. (laughs) Right up until that point, I was like, Tess, I don't know that we can trust Keith, babe. You got to run, Tess. And then (laughs) you're like, no, (laughs) Keith, not Keith. No, Keith. Not Keith. Um, Also in this talking of it, I've decided in my head that um just as a nice bit of continuity that the the redhead with the yellow dress that he stalks from the gas station and opens the window of and then we see her dressed in his basement later i would like to think that she is the mother's mother Mm -hmm. 
or even the mother's Just mother's mother, possibly, depending on how many he's managed to squeeze mother, in. Possibly. Oh, this is interesting. I've just glanced over at the Wikipedia page, uh, where under the production header, Zach Kreger, writer and director, was inspired by the non-fiction book The Gift of Fear, citing a section that encourages women to trust their intuition and not ignore the subconscious red flags that arise in their day-to-day -day interactions with men. Well, you do hear that a lot, don't you? Like, people will tell you, like, always trust your instincts. If you feel suspicious of something, get out of there. Um, which, you know, may, and like, it's, he, I think he used that to a really good degree, whilst also kind of one of the things I thought that was so good was that in that first act, I didn't know what I would do. Like, I was like, my intuition was telling me, this is fucked and you need to go. But it's like, she's not safe in that Airbnb. She's not safe on the porch. She's not safe sitting in her car for the night. She's not safe driving down that pitch black road on her own. Yeah. Like, I really couldn't see what I would do because they were all scary and my intuition was anti all of them. Completely. It's so interesting, isn't it? We literally had a discussion at work about this the other day where one of the talking points, I work on the radio, and one of the talking points we got people to call in about was, um, you know, do you feel safe at nighttime with the clocks going back? Do you feel safe in your neighborhood at nighttime? And we got into this discussion and I was like, and people were like, oh, when I lived here, I felt much safer. When I lived over there, I felt less safe. All of these, and I've lived in lots of different places in the country. And I generally turned to the person next to me and I was like, to be honest, like, I feel as safe and unsafe everywhere that I am because everywhere is kind of unsafe. Mm. So it sort of neutralizes itself out where I have to walk under the underpass mm -hmm. at four o'clock in the morning because I have to get to my workplace on time. Yeah. And it, just like in this situation, it's so real that you have these moments where your intuition will say, this could not be safe, but you're like, well, I don't have a choice or like, it'd be completely impractical for me to behave otherwise, just like it does with Tess. I mean, I know when you were in Reading, yeah. do you remember we walked, uh, we were walking home to mine at what, like midnight or something? And uh, mm. we walked through that sort of semi-underpass thing and there were two guys just hanging out in an underpass. Note to men, if you could just hang out elsewhere, that would be like amazing. Um, but yeah, we both like <laughs> hesitated for a brief moment, <laughs> then both as one kept walking past them, like really sort of in silence because we were like, I don't know, but like it was just really hard. It was like, should we keep talking? Should we not talk? Yeah. Should we? And it was fine. Yeah, but like there's that moment where you're like, well, it's also going to be super noticeable if I turn around and leave the underpass and find a different way. And then that could be deemed like insulting or something. So despite exactly. feeling weird You're about just... it, you just got to keep going. And, and just making these choices on the fly mm. immediately. We didn't even have a discussion about it. We both clocked it, shut up, because we both decided in that moment that the safest thing to do was to draw as little attention as possible to ourselves as, as it was physically, as we were physically capable. We didn't, speed up so much that it would have distracted them from their conversation but we definitely started walking faster but not like heavier with more intent because again we didn't want to appear threatening in any way or like we were scared but like and like all of these things are running through your head all the time and it like and obviously and of course it was fine but the next night the exact same moment may have happened to another person and they um it could have gone completely differently hmm. because yeah you just never know it does. 
Um, um, and yeah, so it's, you know, Tess gets the intuition but can't listen to it because she hasn't got a better alternative. And uh, that's a, a very common situation. Yeah, so it's a really interesting movie in exploring that aspect of things. Just so impressed with other than Andre, all of the characters. Really nicely, interestingly written characters. And I think as an actor, if you got that script, you'd be like, ooh, yum, yum, yum. Yeah. Yeah, that's the, it was a lovely small cast and like a really good cast. And it was nice to see like all the characters built up so well. Uh, yeah, really nice. Way. And it meant that like the deaths and the terror had a real impact on you because you were like no not Tess or not Keith oh god AJ run because they were like your protagonist and you really cared about them how many stars would you give it I think I'd give it I think four stars I would give it nice I did enjoy it a lot I do there's a lot of things that I'm like that could have been so much better but overall it was like a really fun movie I think I've I've sort of relaxed with it more like it was so um lauded by people on twitter and like a few of the sort of reviews i'd seen were quite highly rated and i thought oh my god it's gonna be amazing and then so when i first saw it 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 had been hyped too much and whilst i enjoyed it i was also like that was not what people said it was and it's particularly difficult with that particular film because as we said if you go and see it expecting what happens in the trailer to be the story it's not the story um now that i've had a week to like take it in i feel good about what i saw and i'd say four stars because it was all really enjoyable and fun um but yes i think i would have said three stars when i first came out of the screening that's really fair yeah so i i I also definitely stand by the less you know the better because i think because basically what you knew going in was that keith was gonna die or i didn't know what i knew was that he wasn't the primary like i didn't know if he was a good guy but i knew it was Mm. something else that was the real like scary thing about it so uh going back to what we were saying when we were doing the non-spoilery bit the change in my experience was that i was not 100% confident but certainly more confident than you were that Keith genuinely was just an awkward guy who wasn't trying to hurt her um but even then you still because those moments are so like it's it's so obvious that's what they're suggesting to you you're still like I'm really Mm -hmm. not sure but uh yeah I just had that bit more confidence than you did yeah in the goodness of Keith goodness of Keith Keith is such a bae he was great (laughs) He's such a little sweetheart. And I, again, I've come across a Keith. A couple of weeks ago, I went on a date with a with very much a Keith that was like, we, we were walking back to his and there was a big open car park that was quite creepy. And as we walked the long way, and it was very obviously the long way round the outskirts of this car park, he was talking and he was like, usually I would cut across the car park because it's much quicker, but I thought we'd go this way because I didn't, want you to think that I was dragging you into this creepy dark unlit area and like just talking the whole time about the choices that he was making because he wanted to make sure that and then and then afterwards at 2am he was like um you are more than welcome to stay but if you do want to leave I will of course drive you home and it was like two o'clock in the morning and he did and he he drove me home because he was like I will make sure that you get home safe and like just really thoughtful sweet behavior and again my colleague at work was like i always make a point to cross the road when women are coming towards me because i 
want them to see that I'm aware of how I might make them feel. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah, and, and that so, was very much so Keith's deal. Really, he was very self-aware yeah. and sort of an ally, um, which was, yeah, lovely, but also it was funny that thing of like and and he took it also well which was really nice although he did display the occasional bit of frustration over like i'm trying so hard here to be non-threatening yeah. and you still can't drop your guard around me but you're like yeah well that's that's like yeah. that's the whole thing yeah. like no matter yeah. how, how much you do all the right <laughs> things if you're a stranger you still mm-hmm. can't like really be properly trusted he mm-hmm. had that wonderful, like, absolutely loved that line where he asked Tess, do I look like a monster? And they must have been so <laughs> delighted to get Bill Skarsgård for that because everyone in the <laughs> cinema was like, yes, you look yes. exactly like Pennywise the Clown. <laughs> well, thank you for listening. This may be the first of many. Uh, Emily decides to watch a, a modern movie and wants to, and loved it so much that she wants to talk about it in depth aspect of the podcast so i'm sure flo will be back in some capacity going forward gladly um thank you so much thank you for seeing barbarian with me especially after i made you watch host oh my god made you not sleep (laughs) (laughs) still not sleeping well host is really fucking scary (laughs) so barbarian cured you in a way way, i actually did come out didn't i and i was like i actually feel better now because i before we went to see it i was like oh my god is this my reaction to all horrors am i I didn't. I, I thought I'm always fine with them, and I'm so so scared. And then we saw Barbara, and I was like, oh yeah, I remember. Like most ones aren't yeah. like that, and um, there are a few laughs in them, yeah. and it's all fun. <laughs> cool. Maybe join us next time on this. Otherwise, tune into in a Barbie world and normal Barbie.